uh, we're doing a series called Love Where You Live. And last time, it was fantastic. Uh, Elias sort of unpacked this idea of eating and drinking, and it's an awesome spiritual thing. And many of us went, yeah, that's awesome, right? That makes a lot of sense. Something magical happens when we share food and we come at each other's table and we're hospitable. So today we're sort of taking it to a, to a, to a more cosmic level, should I say, because we're talking about the table of, of the king of God, uh, the kingdom of God. And the t- title of the message is Feasting with the King, right? Um, now, I'm going to sort of work off of three different scriptures. One is in Luke. One is in Proverbs, so going back to the Old Testament, and one is in Revelation, which is the very last book of the Bible. And all three speak of this banquet, of this imagery of feasting with the king, of invitations going out, of this incredible, expansive imagery that describes how God thinks of all of us, right? That he invites us to the table, that he invites us over and over and over again. And what we want to do today is sort of understand at a deeper level what that means. And and more importantly, how is that relevant? It's more than inspiring, but how is that relevant to you and I in our daily lives? Now, I got invitations to the the table uh, very specific. I mean, I'm sure I had many more. But before I came to the table for the first time, let's put it that way, I was invited to the same church by different people twice. And I only came the third time. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's amazing because it's such a descriptive thing. It's exactly what the Bible says, right? Like you invite, he invites us and we go, yeah, not, ra- not now, God, right? And then he invites us again, not now, or for whatever re- other reason. And, but I had, I, I had a distinct experience of that, not in a very abstract way, but in a very specific way, right? Literally once a year, God will send, would send a follower of his into my path to invite me to church, and I would say no. And I remember exactly the names of the people later because they all came later when I came to that particular church and said, remember me? You invited you two years ago and you were like really snobby, you know? And the first one, the first one was a, was, it, was, it was in the subway and there, was, there were two girls, two like teenage girls, right? And they were like all giggly and like, hi. And I'm like, what do you want, you know? And, and and they're like, we want to invite you to our church, and Jesus loves you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like rolling my eyes, like, run along, little girls, run along. It was basically my response, right? Um, the second time, it was a year later, and uh, I was, you know, I was in show business, so I was rehearsing with the band with some dancers in a, in a like, really nice rehearsal hall. And I met this, uh, I met a guy who I already knew, right? He was in a different band in a very successful band and he was like in a hip-hop band basically right his name was Valia and Valia was like he came to my, he was, happened to be in the same complex and he came into our rehearsal and he was beaming and happy and I'm like dude what's up you know like what's going on and he's like I dude I changed my life I became a Christian I got baptized I got saved all my sins were forgiven and I'm like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. you know like slow down dude right slow down bring it down a bit a notch right and, 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 and he just couldn't stop. He was so joyful. And <laughs> I distinctly remember we were leaving the, ho- the place and we we're sort of going out already. We were done. And I'm like, hey, Valia, you know, can I say this time? He goes, yeah, you just go easy with the cult thing, right? Go easy, you're going to lose your mind there. They're going to take all of your possessions and take all your money and 
you know, <laughs> so I was just, I was being very, very, you know, protective of my friend. <laughs> of course, both of those people, eventually, when I came to church, they, they sort of popped up. I was like, hey, remember us? You know, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. Uh, um, but the, the, uh, it's fascinating how that happens. And you, you, raise your hand if you had more than one opportunity before you actually responded to the opportunity. That you had more than one where you go, you said no, right? Okay. So, um, that's exactly what the Bible is describing here, right? In Luke 14, the, the backstory we're going to read from there in a second. In Luke 14, the backstory is that Jesus is, went to, to a banquet, to a feast, uh, on the Sabbath day at the house of a Pharisee. So they're hanging out with the Pharisees there. And the first thing he does, of course, he's being, Jesus being Jesus, he, he notes a, notices a guy who had abdominal problems, and yet actually the Bible says he had bloating problems, which I'm like, at the table, it's probably a good thing to heal that at the table, right? It's probably a good idea. It's a very practical thing to do, and he healed the guy who had bloating problems, which I think most of people would have said amen to that. Thank you. Uh, uh, and of course, the controversy that was on the Sabbath. The next thing he does, he notices that at the table of this, of this banquet of the Pharisee, there's a sort of a, there's a social ladder reflected at the table. So the, the host sat at the head of the table, and then basically what they would do, they would sit down in decreasing levels of importance at the table closer to the, to the guy. And what he was, so he comments on this. He goes, you know, in the, the table, not this table, but the table, the kingdom table, you don't exalt yourself. You let the weak sit in a place of honor. So he was poking at the social order right there, right, being very disruptive. Uh, and he's introducing this idea, as a matter of fact, that became eventually, through the centuries, what we are experiencing this week, is this debate of defending the weak. And the big controversy is who is the weak? And what I'm gonna, without going into, in, into, into teaching about that, what I wanna point is that it all started with Jesus. It all started with him pointing these things out. The norm was the strong dominate. And the kingdom is when the strong bring the weak along and put them in a place of honor. That started with Jesus, right? So then the conversation goes on. And, and of course, it gets, it, gets, it gets to a higher level, and somebody at the table is insightful enough to say something and change the subject, but in a very cool way. Here's what they said in Luke 14, 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. That guy was perceptive. That guy was, he was understanding that Jesus was not just talking about this table, he was talking about the table. And then it says here, Jesus replies, he goes, a certain man, so he launches into this, into this story to make a point. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who have been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I've just uh, bought five yoke of oxen, which is 
this is quite a purchase, by the way, at the time. And I'm on the way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out onto the roads of the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house, my house will be full. So this, 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 he paints this picture of an expansive, hospitable God, right? Who just wants to fill his house. And note this, the audience, he's not speaking to outsiders in this parable. He is speaking to you and I. He's speaking to insiders, right? That's what he's, that's the challenge. That's the sharp edge of the sword in this parable. He's speaking to us. Now, okay, so you would go, okay, what is that? How does that apply to me? Here's how it applies to you. Do you obsess or struggle over status? Your, where you fit in into whatever. Your respect, the place you're, you ought to be at in life. If you obsess over that, you're probably not really at the king's table right now, in the fullest sense. Do you struggle how you're perceived by others? I don't get my respect, I deserve more. I'm entitled to more, why am I not further along in life? If you are, you're not fully at the table. Do you struggle with jealousy, right? I don't have a boyfriend, and this person makes more, than, m m makes more money than I do. I don't have a social life. Where are my friends? People don't like me. How much do you struggle with that? If you struggle with that, that, with that, sen that sense of scarcity, you're not really sitting at the king's table. You're not feasting. That is what he's talking about. If I only dot, 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 that is the natural state, the natural bend of any human being. We're hardwired for that. That's normal. You're not, you're not evil. I'm not evil. This is just human stuff. But what Jesus wants us is to uh, have access to something completely supernatural, not this table, but the table. Because the table, the king's table, is the source of all good things. On a grander scale, the king's table, listen to me, repeat after me, the king's table is the source of all good things. It is the source of that field that that person was wanting to check out, right? That's that field, that investment that's not doing so well right now in your portfolio. The source of it is the king, right? The property that is about to go down in value as the recession goes, if you have real estate. It's the oxen, right? The oxen. That is from the table of the king. That wife, that spouse that you are blessed with, that was, that was providence from the king. 
And if you don't focus on the king's table, what's going to happen is this. Your investment is going to go down, and you're going to lose. Your oxen is, are going to get sick, you're going to lose. You're going to be so stressed out about the investment and the oxen that you're going to have a terrible marriage. The king's table is the opposite of that. This is the reality that Jesus is trying to bring across to insiders, you and I, people who are already invited. It is expansive, right? There's room for everyone. You are invited. Now, if you, like, when we look at, when we, th when th when we think of banquets and stuff like that, and then the king and things, we're sort of re very removed experientially from those things. But at the time of Jesus, that imagery was actually very vivid and very specific. Basically what it meant is that you have access to infinite resources. You're part of the household of the king. The king owns everything. So it's not this, this society where you can have a startup and you, you're bootstrapping and then you have, you know, you, you succeed and, you, you know, self-made man. It just, that's not how it works. How it works in this imagery is that the king is the source of everything. And if you're in the household of the king, and if you're invited to the table of the king, you have access to the same resources that the king, that he infers on you from, with his generosity, with his grace, and he also gives you the responsibility of stewardship over those things. That is the imagery that's being portrayed here. Does that make sense? And what he's saying is like you... You are a part of this household, and, be, and you got the field and the oxen and the wife, and you're focusing on the field and the oxen and the wife and the source of those things. You're not coming back to it. And that's the, the big disconnect, is that you are supposed to feast with the king. And with, when the king had feasts, it was a regular thing. So if you're a household, if, if you're in the court, you probably saw this historic, right? The historic, all of those historic uh, miniseries, right? Uh, wh when it comes to the court, what does the court do? Their job is to hang out with the king, like all the time. It's not a one-time deal. You're part, you're in the, in the inner circle, you're privileged. You're close to the source, and you have responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera, right? So going back to my initial story, I was invited twice before I came. And by the time I came the third time, when I got the invitation, I was in that other list that Jesus quotes. Invite the crippled and the blind and the poor. And the third time, I was crippled and I was blind, and I was poor, spiritually poor. I was just hurting. I was really, really, really hurting. I was like clinically depressed. And that's, I think, where the anger comes from, you know? Why is the king angry? He got angry, that's what it says, he got angry. I really think it's one of those, it's, it's this anger of disbelief, <laughs> you know? If you, if you are, uh, if, uh, raise your hand if you have kids. Have you ever desired something and, and done th something for your kid and the kid just doesn't appreciate it or doesn't do what, you're, what is good for them? 
that feeling, that feeling, that's the feeling. That's the feeling. It's like, really? Really? You're, do, who watches SNL? There's an old, there's an old SNL skit like that, that, that was called Really? It's a segment. I think it was in the news sort of part. Really? And they like basically would say something that, that doesn't make any sense, and they go, really? You know? It's one of those things, right? So let me give you a list of reallys that have something to do with, this, the king's t- with feasting with the, with, the, with the king. Are you bored with the Bible? Really? And this is a real thing. I've been bored with the Bible. Like, it doesn't connect. Really? When the scripture says, it's like honey on my lips. When the scripture says, I meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Is there a disconnect between that and uh, it's not doing anything for me? Yes, there is. What's the disconnect? You're not feasting with the king. You're not seeing the table. You're not accepting, (laughs) you know? You don't lack resources. You lack resourcefulness. Here's another one. Do God's people, like in the church, annoy you? Every once in a while? And the the answer is probably, yeah, you know. Really? Really? And the Bible calls them the saints, God's household, the royal priesthood. Those people, they annoy you. You don't want to be around them. You're tired. I was speaking to someone who eventually left the church, and, and, and I'm, I'm just grateful for the honesty of my friend. And he was like, you know what? I just don't want to be emotionally available to people. At least that's honest. I like that. I like that it's not blaming. I just don't want to be emotionally available to people. Really? You're too busy to take your your wife on a date every week? And I want to make the husbands go like this. It's very intentional. It's very, very intentional. And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Really? Too busy? Something is more important than what the Bible says your job is to present her radiant before the Lord? That's your job. That is your stewardship. Radiant. Not like comfortable. Not like okay. You know, provided for. None of that stuff. The standard is up here. Radiant. Your job is to treat your wife like Jesus treats the church. To die for her. And you can't take her on a date? Really? You can't afford to give to missions? To be generous with the poor? to be generous with the local church, to be generous with your time, your energy, your service, your talent. Really. Have you heard of the widow's mite? 
that parable that Jesus tells about the widow that gave her last penny. Have you even seen a mite? I, should, I had one of those ancient ones. You can actually buy it. There's so many of them. It's a teeny, teeny, tiny little coin, and it's so insignificant. Even visually, it's insignificant, right? And, uh, you know, I had one of those scotch tape in, in the inside of my Bible for a long time, then I lost it. And, uh, but Jesus talks about the widow that just gives in such ways. Really? We are in the 1% of the richest people in the world, and we don't have enough to give. Let me give you, actually, I, I thought of this on the way here. I have an example for you that you will not relate at all. Seriously, it's one of those, like every once in a while I have examples from my life that are completely unrelatable. People go, yeah, right, whatever, you know. But I'll give it to you, and I'll tell you why in a second. In my showbiz days, I had an endorsement deal with Adidas. And basically what that meant, par partially, is that I, they would send me a catalog, and I could pick anything from the catalog, unlimited, in, well, within reason, but anything in the catalog I can get at least one thing off, which is like boxes and boxes of stuff, Adidas. And every year I would get boxes and boxes of stuff, several times a year, and I would give, but I can't wear boxes of boxes of stuff several times a year, you know? I just don't have, you know, I have only two feet, right? <laughs> uh, and I would give most of it away to members of the church and brothers would come over and say, hey, let's have a party, right? Do you need something? I have so much of this, right? The reason I tell you, and it's complete, I know I understand that most people don't have an Adidas endorsement. I get that. <laughs> My point is something else. My point is that you have more than that. You and I are at the table of the master of the universe. That's the point. That's what he's saying here. And to not, if you are at the table, fully present at the table of the master of the universe with unlimited resources, the one who spoke the universe into existence, the one who holds your life in his hands, every breath in your lungs comes from him. That one, that king. Not just a physical king, not a limited president or even a dictator. The creator of the universe, you're at his table. And if you're close to unlimited resources that way, to not be generous with your time, your energy, your money, your talent, is not only unhealthy, it's unnatural. In the same way that having boxes and boxes of Adidas stuff in my apartment was unnatural for me to keep them there. Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? I would like go, I, I don't need this. I don't need this much. That's what we have in the kingdom of God multiplied by infinity. Feasting with the king. Do you lose sleep over a promotion? Over things that are owed to you? The respect that's owed to you? The position that's owed to you? All of those things? Really? Do you? That ego? Won't let go. And when scripture says, humble yourself before the Lord, before the king, and he will lift you up in due time, isn't that more powerful? More liberating? More peaceful? More wonderful? More trusting? The Lord will lift me up wherever he wants, whenever he wants. And do not have to concern myself with, with foolish 
things like ego. I am not respected enough by someone. Really. I'm not feasting at the table when I'm feeling that way. Right? Do you hold a grudge for longer than 12 hours? Which is sort of the time of by sunset. Really? The Son of Man died for your sins? The things that even some of the closest people are not even aware of you, the things that you're ashamed of, have been erased forever. Things that I regret so deeply, they're gone because of the blood of Christ, and I hold a grudge? Really? Like, I dare to hold a grudge. When the Bible says, leave your, your gift at the altar and go be reconciled with your brother before the sun goes down. That's, that's where the 12 hours comes from. Okay, here's for the, for the something for the church, church kids. You grew up in the church all your life. You've read scripture all of your life. People have served you starting from kids' kingdom all the way through camp, dozens and dozens of people have poured into you your whole entire life, and you're not feeling it? Really? You have an inheritance, and you walk away from it, and you minimize it. Really? Does that make sense? I can go on and on and on. And I'm not meaning to be, to sort of create a, a somber environment. What I'm meaning to say is, it doesn't make any sense. That's, the ang- that's where the anger comes from. You're at the table. The banquet is so much more than a poetic metaphor. It is a blueprint for human flourishing. That's what God is saying. It's not a metaphor. It's not like this beautiful words, but the reality is this is here and reality is right here. No, no, no. This is reality. What you're feeling when you're the really list is, is just not true. You're just not at the table. In Proverbs 9, that's the, our second scripture today, that is, gets portrayed in, like, in high contrast. And in, in Proverbs, I love the, 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 Pro, the Proverbs books because it, is, it paints a very similar picture to Jesus, but it paints it through the imagery of two women. You know, they're in the city, and there's one woman, and her name is Wisdom, and this other woman, her name is Folly. And the same imagery of a banquet or of a feast is painted, and the same in- imagery of inviting people expansively everybody has access to it, is painted here too. Here's what it says. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up her seven, uh, its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out servants. Same imagery, right? And she calls from the highest point of the city. She's broadcasting this stuff. Let all who are simple come to my house. By the way, hint, hint, you are simple, I am simple. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, that thinking over here. Leave that. And you will live. 
walk in the way of insights. Whoever corrects the mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning, which is, by the way, perfect advice about the controversy in our country right now. Do not correct the mockers. If you're talking about mockers, they're going to despise you anyway. You know how people speak over each other? That's what they're talking about here. Speak wisdom to people who want to be wise. Do not speak wisdom for mo to mockers who will not listen anyway. The fear of the Lord, and here's sort of something, this line, everybody knows, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life, and you will be wise, your wisdom will reward you, and if you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. This is not a metaphor. This is not poetry. This is truth. This is truth. If you feast with the king, the invitation is, please come. Please eat and drink. Enjoy. Please receive. And if you don't, you will suffer alone. But if you do, it says your days will be many. Your years will be added to your life. It's this, this image of complete and utter flourishing. This is not subtle. It's either feast or it's famine. And the cool thing about this, and, the, and, and what is so different from this, from the imagery of, the, he's, a, he's using imagery that everybody knew. There's a king, then there's the court, and then there's everybody else, the peasants. Which is like, that's how radical it was, right? There's like less than 1%. The 1%, forget the 1%. There's half a percent, and then there's 99% who are like poor, like dirt. And most of the world was like that, by the way, for the longest time until the Industrial Revolution. Historically, that's just the truth. So to be at the table of the king was only for a few. And Jesus is putting this, bringing this imagery and turning it upside down and saying that being at the table of the king is for everybody. It is for the weak. It is for the blind. It is for the lame. As long as it's for the simple as long as you identify like that and receive the calling. And here's the problem. Many of us, and, and, and not only many of us, I think all of us at some point or another don't feel that way. We're really confident with the oxen. We're really, really bullish on the field. Really happy with the wife. And we just remove ourselves from the table and then the whole thing goes down. That's how it works. Um, there was a, a we, had a, we had a feast at our house at, for Father's Day. And uh, we're at the table. And Deb, I posted about this a couple days ago. And Deb basically was like, okay girls. And my three daughters were there and we, there, there were more people there. But some, we had some friends who, who were with us as well. Okay, girls. Uh, there, she was like, okay, if, you, if there's something that you learned from your dad that's particularly stood out, like one thing, pick one thing, and then share it to encourage your dad. 
Oh, that's nice, right? Uh, so they all share. And uh, I remember being surprised by what they said. You know, I was expecting sort of your standard, whatever, you know, there's, everybody has a list like, yeah, I think I'm a good dad because blah, blah, blah. And what they said was very different from what I expected. So here's what they said. You want to hear it? Okay, my oldest daughter, Diana, she said, she was like, you know, I noticed that you give, you give to the homeless all the time and you give generously. And what, it, what impressed me when I asked you is that you basically said to me, it's my responsibility to give, it's their responsibility to spend, and I'm not worried about how they spend it because it's their responsibility. I'm gonna just give, it's my responsibility. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting, right? So that's what Diana said. You know what Violetta said? She, I was surprised by her too. She goes, um, you know what, I, what really helped me in what you do is that, is self-care. She goes, you know, when you're in a crowd, and I'm an introvert, she's an introvert, so we sort of bond over introvertedness. <laughs> she goes, when you're in a crowd, you disappear every once in a while. And you totally don't feel guilty about it, right? And she goes, I really learned from that, you know? And uh, they, my, my family has this joke when, you know, when, you know whatever, whatever sort of public function there is, they, somebody says, where's your dad? She, they were like, he's hiding. <laughs> and I do, I just sort of, I hide, I recoup for like 15 minutes, then I come back and, you know, re-engage the, the crowd, right? And so she said that. And Isabella, uh, who's here right now, she goes, you know what really impacted me is, is um, you pulled, pulled us into your office and you showed, that th showed us this uh, Kelly Clarkson video. And the video that I showed her, and actually I, rem I, I, I perked up at that because I always thought of that story as a little embarrassing, right, to me. Uh, and sh she goes, you pulled us out and you, and you, sh and you showed this uh, video, Kelly Clarkson has this video, I think an American Idol, that she sings piece by piece. And it's a story that she wrote for her daughter about how her daughter's father walked away and left the family. And of course, my, I lost my dad like that through infidelity and, you know, it, I feel it profoundly. And uh, so I showed her the video, them the video, and I, I was completely like cried, 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 cried throughout the whole thing. And I, and I turned them to me and I said, listen to me. This will never, ever, ever happen to you. You know, and that impacted her. And I remember at the time, I felt a bit embarrassed because sh they were like, when I said that, I was like, like really intense, right? Because <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of things. And they were like, yeah, we know. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's a big deal for me, but okay, you know. <laughs> um, um, but the reason I'm telling you this story is because this happened at a table. In a, in a household. And all of those three things, uh, it sort of lingered with me. I'm like, I was encouraged, of course, thank you girls, I feel very encouraged. Thank you Deb for bringing it up and all of that. But the reason I tell you this is because all of those three things that I didn't expect were the, were the things that impacted my daughters. All three I received at the, at the table of the king. That's not me. All three of those things are not natural to me. I'm not a good guy. I'm not a generous guy. I'm not a faithful guy. I'm just not. I'm those things because I feast with the king. And because I feast with the king, 
the impact is in generations. Do you see that, how massive that is? Do you see how that changes everything? How remarkable that is? That's what, that's what Jesus is trying to impart, and I think when we ignore him, and he's talking to insiders, he's talking to you and I, when we don't feast at his table, he's angry because he's, he's going, really? Like you, on the, you on the VIP list, right? You're with this field and with this oxen and the spouse, I get it, she's great, but you know, you have her because of me, may I remind you? Really? And the invitation for us as a community is to be a community that is at the table all the time. We do not lack resources. We just don't go close to the, to the source. That's, that's, what, that's our problem. It's not resources. It's not lack of whatever the list is. I'm going to finish with this one scripture in Revelation, as I promised. In Revelation 19, another banquet is described. And that's a great banquet. It's a banquet that whether you believe in the Bible, where you believe in Christianity, where you've never read Christianity, where you go, I'm skeptical, I'm an atheist, this is, this is happening whether you believe it or not. And the banquet is a celebration of when Jesus returns in all his glory to transform the earth into a new earth and humanity into a new humanity. And it's described poetically as a wedding of the Lamb with the church. And here's what it says. And I want to leave you with this and I want to encourage you to, as we take communion, to meditate on the feast and at the table of the king and what that means for us and how we're distracted by the field and the oxen and the spouse and the whatever, right? Let's read this and just meditate on this. We'll pray in a second. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting. Imagine this. This is all the saints who ever lived. They're all in jubilant joy, shouting at this great banquet. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made him herself ready. Fine linen, bride and clean was given her to wear. And then it explains, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. And at this, I fell at his feet to worship him. Brothers and sisters, friends, this is happening. This is going to happen. Whether you believe in it, whether you don't believe in it, whether you feast at the king, at the king's table, or you don't, this is going to happen. 
And I just want, I just want to be there, you know. I just want to be one of those guys, one of those girls who shouts in jubilation, who falls in worship because it's too good to bear. It's too good to just stand still. It's too good to be quiet, being at the, f- at, at the table of the king. Let's pray. Mm-hmm.